This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. Got a ton of stuff to talk about and the Q&A's at the end as usual. But damn, there was some drama last week, huh? I'll get into that in a second, but I just really hope everything that went on didn't overshadow the, the great interview with Frank that came out at the same day. Uh, it's too bad all those things uh, went live at the same time. If only I was on a group chat with Renee and Zach and we could have worked this out. Assholes. First up, Voltar posted a video about debunking RGB SCART cable myths. Um, and basically, it focused upon people who put amplifiers inside the SCART head on the C-Sync line. Uh, and a lot of people really took it the wrong way, and it annoyed the piss out of me. So many trolls, so many people just talking shit. And the bottom line is, there's no gray area. There is no my opinion, your opinion. With video signals, it's just right or wrong. It's black and white. It's not like audio where maybe you could say, I think this sounds better. It's just there's a specification that needs to be adhered to because that's what the devices we're plugging these things in expect. Otherwise, you could, at the very least, you'll lower the lifespan of your devices, maybe do some damage a little sooner rather than later. But the good news is this is a really, really easy thing to fix. You don't have to throw out your cables. You don't have to freak out. Basically, all you do is pop the SCART head open, remove the amp if you have it, and then put in a cap and resistor that costs less than a dollar. So even if you have to order this stuff online, we're talking less than $10, including shipping, and you know, if you buy a bunch of them. And all you need is a, a very basic, cheap soldering gun. So, I mean, this is just, of all the things that, that could need changing, this is the easiest thing on the planet. Um, but just to be clear, the issue is that... Almost all of these consoles output TTL sync, and they need to be attenuated, and I believe it's between 220 millivolt to 950 millivolt peak-to-peak. -peak. Now, peak-to-peak -peak is where you do, um, if anybody's seen an oscilloscope, you could actually see how they have rises and falls on the voltage, um, and that's what they mean by that. So you can't test these things with a multimeter. You actually need an oscilloscope in order to see it. So a bunch of us nerds have been doing the testing, and we figured out, uh, which has been confirmed by a gazillion people, which uh, components you need for which consoles in order to get it right. So uh, there's two things, though. Uh, there's two ways to accomplish, at the very least in the Genesis cable, what needs to happen. Because the Genesis C-Sync line kind of has issues. So you could either put this capacitor and resistor in. That's personally what I would recommend that everybody does. Or you could actually use a logic gate circuit that Tim Worthington designed that accomplishes the same thing, uh, I guess, just a little more cautiously. Me personally, I'm sticking with the cap and resistor. Uh, I'm not too worried about anything past that. And I have very specifically seen this fix a ton of issues. Um, I think the original problem was that people didn't understand the issue with the Genesis sync. 
and they stuck this amplifier on the sync line and the amplifier isolated the circuit the same way those other two solutions would but also amplifying the signal past safe voltage so that's why it was there that's why so many people said well it only works with the amp in it wasn't the amplification it was the isolation of the signal that was the issue so i'm trying not to nerd out too much on this because zach already did the video it's a great video but i just wanted to clear everything up because there's so much bullshit on all the forums now about this and you know at the end of the day, it's just it's nothing to argue about. Just follow the specifications. Everything's cool. We're not trying to pick on anybody. It's just, you know, black and white. The one thing that really did piss me off a lot, though, is the Reddit trolls, which I, I can't stand those guys. And the thing that really lit me up was somebody that said, well, obviously, these guys are just trying to make it a boys club and they don't want Rachel in it. Fuck you. Fuck you big time. The only thing we ever discriminate upon here is nerd shit, right or wrong. I don't give a fuck who you are. As long as you're contributing to the community, jump on in and you're already part of the club. That's it. There is no sexism or any of that shit here. So uh, for I ignore most trolls most of the time, but that one really lit me up. And I don't think you guys should tolerate that either. If you see anybody talking or trying to start a sexist argument or acting sexist or racist or anyist, fuck them all. Uh, just have the balls to ban these people if you're mods on these forums, because this is just, that's not cool. That's crossing a line that goes way past nerdiness. Now you're just fucking with humans. So, sorry for the rant, but, uh, yeah, well, that's the first thing that was all drama this week. Next, Renee from DB Electronics posted a great article on his blog about making sure that the cartridges and flash ROMs that you use match the voltage requirements of your console. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it was, wasn't a witch hunt. He wasn't out to get anybody, but the trolls kind of went apeshit for this one. Um, and just to summarize, so if you have a device that works at one voltage and you don't have the proper circuit to make it match the voltage of the console that you're using, you will absolutely lower the lifespan of your device, period. There's no discussion in that. The one discussion is how much will it lower the life? So if it's something like one of those uh, Neo Geo 161 and one carts, that voltage is way off and you're going to kill your console if you use it. And that especially sucks because Neo Geo AES consoles are rare and expensive. So definitely that's one, I guess, you know, may, maybe he was slinging mud at that one, but deservedly so. He's had to fix a few of those for his friends. So uh, that's dangerous. But then you have other ones like some of the EverDrives where you really don't know how bad it really is, is for the consoles. Um, and truthfully, I mean, it could be one of those things where you have 30 years left on your Genesis, and now you have 29 if you use a flash card. Maybe, maybe it's way worse than that. Maybe these things had 30, 40 years left, and they're only going to have another two after this because you've already been using them. No one really knows. The point of his article was just simply that you need to design stuff to spec. Anybody designing new things to spec should. Uh, and people really lost their shit. And I think the I think the number one reason is people are just upset that their product might not be perfect. So they kind of just threw their arms up in the air and, you know, started slinging accusations. My favorite was somebody that posted a link to Renee's single flash Genesis cart and said, obviously, this guy is just trying to promote his own cart. They're two completely different things. It's not a competitor to a, a ROM cart. So I don't know why people just feel compelled to just be assholes about this stuff. But um, Crix had a couple of weird responses. 
And I, I guess I see his point. I mean, he's not about to recall all these things for stuff that may or may not you know, significantly hurt your consoles. I don't know. Uh, all, he did say that all of his newer devices and all of the next stuff upcoming uh, that he has out will will absolutely be adhering to all of the correct specs. Um, for me personally, though, I'm going to keep using them all. Uh, a lot of mine are actually up to spec, but the ones that aren't, I'm going to keep using them, and then I'm just going to make sure to buy the newest ones when they're out. Because, to be honest, stuff like, you know, everybody who watches this podcast knows that I'm becoming somewhat of a preservationist, but at the same time, a Genesis is 25 bucks, and some of the games that I like to test, you know, I would spend hundreds trying to get all these games that often end up in five minutes of testing to never play again, so it's actually worth it to me if I end up killing a Genesis. I wouldn't wouldn't do it on a console like a Neo Geo or something really expensive, but... You know, what can you do? So um, if you guys have an EverDrive or, or really any flash cart and you're not sure if it's safe, uh, check Renee's post, obviously linked in the description. If you guys want to hear what uh, other people have to say about it, Crix and Tim, I also left those links. But don't freak out. Basically, just kind of, you know, figure your stuff out, see what you want to do, and make your decision on that. And as long as it's for consoles that aren't, you know, rare and expensive... Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but my myself personally is not going to worry about this. So don't freak out. <laughs> don't start slinging mud. Uh, I would just recommend reading the article and understanding it from that point of view. And on a lighter note, Renee also has an updated PCB for what he's calling the Genesis Triple Bypass, which is basically the RGB bypass as well as the audio bypass built in. Uh, and he did a couple of improvements. Um, some things moved around so it fits better. But basically, uh, when this does come out, it's going to be a no-cut mod, so you just remove the RF, put this in, and uh, I've tested betas of it, and I'm really excited for this to come out. Um, I wish I lived closer, because I would be banging on his door at least once a week, trying to annoy him enough to get this out as soon as possible. But trust me, as soon as there's any news at all, I will absolutely report about it and let know let everybody know where to buy them and all that stuff but definitely excited for this because the genesis rgb signal is so noisy in almost every revision and this will totally cure it so as well as uh cure the audio for some of those revisions as well so i'm just you know patiently tapping my foot on the floor waiting for this thing to come out and be something people can buy And speaking of Genesis, an article was posted comparing the native RGB output of different Genesis revisions, and I think it's a pretty cool article, but there's definitely something to keep in mind. So uh, they're basically laying out a roadmap for what to look for if you want certain revisions of the Genesis, but also keep in mind that there are so many different motherboard revisions. So you can get a Genesis 2, I think there's four different boards in the Genesis 2, Uh, there's a ton in the Genesis one, and I even found a board last year that I didn't even think existed. It must have, it might have been a prototype or something. I, I don't even know. But so just keep in mind that it's a good article and it's cool to see the comparison picks. But it's a basic guide on how to, you know, how to start in finding the different Genesis versions. Um, but your your results may vary at home, and of course things like bad capacitors, worn out, uh, you know, the worn out consoles will affect the video output as well. But once again, that's why I'm really looking forward to any of the Genesis bypass solutions, the newer ones coming out, because um, it really won't matter which version you have, you'll be able to install these in, and they'll all look the same. So very cool article, lots of great screenshots, and uh, definitely worth checking out if you're a Genesis fan.
Next is an update from Woozle, who's working on his Game Boy Advance HDMI project. It's coming even closer to completion. Uh, the boards are done. He's got the SNES connector integrated right on it. And I think he still has the 3D design for the external casing. And it's looking great. I think he's just working out one or two more bugs. And hopefully I should be able to get one before the end of the summer to start testing and have a prototype. So I really think that this is going to be a real product sooner than I expected. And I'm very excited to start testing it because... Uh, just anytime we can have an easier solution to get Game Boy Advance on TVs, uh, it just it makes everybody's life easier. So hopefully we'll have this one by the end of the summer and Ben Venn's RGB solution as well within the same time period. Uh, so just, I love all the progress that's being made on this and I'll keep everybody updated uh, as soon as I get the prototype in hand. Last year I showed a video of somebody who was working on an LCD zapper mod. So basically he took a couple of different components and built this pretty cool device that allows you to put a sensor on the end of a light gun and then use that on an LCD TV. So it kind of works the same way like a Wiimote would on a Wii emulator. And it looks like he's been making steady progress to the point where it might actually be a product that people could buy relatively soon. He's got things up on his GitHub and he's sharing all the information. Uh, hopefully I'd be able to get him on here to talk to him because I'm really excited about this. I'm a huge fan of light gun games and, you know, especially today when so many games are just designed to spend two hours in front of a TV. I just love the thought of like, just like old school, you know, you fire up your TV, you throw in Duck Hunt, you shoot ducks for five minutes, and, you know, cool, you killed some time before dinner or something. So hopefully we can start to relive that on bigger flat screen TVs soon with something like this. But I'll keep everybody updated if there's any progress, and uh, thanks to Dario for keeping me up to date on this. There's now an HDMI adapter for the Atari Jaguar called the Jaguar Kitty Box. Kind of a cool name. So it uh, it looks like a cool device with molded uh, molded plastic and um, a direct HDMI output, and it goes for about a hundred euros, so about uh, one hundred and fifteen dollars. It is it is basically just an RGB to HDMI converter, but it is tweaked and designed specifically for the Jaguar. Um, and they are part of the HDMI licensing group, so um, you know everything does go directly to spec. I haven't had a chance to test one yet. I'm not sure how much lag it adds, but I imagine if it's designed specifically for the Jaguar and by retro gamers, probably has very little. Um, I'd love to try one someday. Uh, shipping's kind of expensive, so maybe I'll get a prototype or something to try out. But uh, if you're a huge fan of the Atari Jaguar and you want to go direct into an HD TV, uh, this is you know as inexpensive as as decent upscalers could get, and uh, with the upcoming ROM cart which hopefully will be this year. Now maybe you have another excuse to buy one. Speaking of the Jaguar, the same company that made the Kitty Box is now producing the Jaguar controller overlays. They're actually going to be released in two batches, so half of the games are already available, the other half are coming out soon. And they should have the same tactile feedback as the originals, so that plasticky feel with the, the little bumps over them. Um, which is a big problem because a lot of those overlays have gotten lost over the years. So, you know, you could print out a piece of paper and kind of jam it in, but it's not the same because you don't get the feel of the button. 
And I haven't seen these in person yet, but they look pretty much just like the originals. So I'm looking forward to trying them out. I personally am going to wait till both batches are in stock. Uh, only one's in stock now, just to be cheap and save on shipping. But I think that'll be the perfect complement to Saints ROM Cart when that comes out. That way you could experience all the games with the right overlays and all the controls. Next, Furtech has just shown off a Game Boy camcorder. He has all the specs up on his GitHub, but you basically could make a device that allows you to plug the Game Boy camera in it, and it displays what the camera sees on an LCD display and records onto an SD card. Uh, I just, I love shit like this, and I think it's absolutely awesome. Uh, I believe he has everything you need up on GitHub to make your own. Um, I don't have time to make one, but I really want to buy one, so if anybody makes one, or maybe I could buy one from uh, from Furtech, um, and, and just just to have one to best with. So if you're into any stuff like that, definitely check it out. And maybe somebody will make a couple of them for, or maybe even just do a pre-order in a small amount for anybody that's interested. Just a quick heads up, Super G has started shipping the G-SCART Switch Lite and G-Comp Switch orders. So if you had placed an order, it should probably ship out this week or next week. Just wanted to keep everybody in the loop. Somebody just posted a video about an open source keychain emulator called the Keybu. Um, but it's basically, it looks like a mini uh, Game Boy Advance SP that fits on a keychain. And it runs uh, emulation with a bunch of different games on it. Uh, and they actually posted all of the design files that you need to make your own. And while it's, you know, it's just a fun thing, uh, I just I think stuff like this is really awesome. So, uh, very cool project, and if anybody really wants to go nuts and build themselves a, a keychain-sized emulator, the link's in the description. Someone just posted a ROM hack of Mega Man 7 for SNES using 8-bit style music. It's actually an MSU audio mod, and while it's not true 8-bit, I think he said he used a mix of different type of game sounds, it is kind of neat to play the game with old-school NES music, but have the full SNES game. And I think this person actually also did one for the Zelda, so it has the old music on A Link to the Past. Um, but I just figured I would leave the link in the description for anybody that was interested, and I believe Smoke Monster will have both in his MSU packs at some point soon, if not already. The musician Stemage has just posted a few songs that are video game music played backwards, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I've actually been a fan of Stemage's for a long time now, I think almost 10 years, ever since he posted the first Metroid Metal Files, and it's really great to see him just continue and just put out some awesome music. I bought his, uh, his last instrumental album too, I'm a, obviously a big fan of his, but it's very cool to hear the music backwards, I highly recommend uh, at least giving it a listen, and it even got posted on Gizmodo, which is very cool, because this dude definitely deserves the recognition. Uh, I still keep meaning to take his Metroid Metal soundtrack and put it to Super Metroid, um, I just, I have zero free time to do that, but that's something that I would absolutely love to do at some point in the future, so I can go through and play Super Metroid using his files. Uh, so if anybody has extra time and wants to do that, I could forward you all the stuff you need. Um, and we already got the blessing from Stemage last year, so we don't have to worry about stealing his stuff. I think he just probably would want a copy of it. <laughs> Next, Retro USB posted that their wireless controller will soon be up for sale. I'm pretty sure there's no pre-order. I think they just got them in and they'll be up for sale, uh, in stock and for sale relatively soon. 
And the last time I, well, the only time I spoke to Brian, uh, he he basically said that these were designed very specifically with latency in mind. Uh, He didn't like that Bluetooth does variable latency and there's sometimes issues with it. So uh, I can't wait to try one because for whatever crazy reason, I am super, super sensitive to lag. uh, And I really want to put it through its paces and, and see if it feels the same as a wired one. So hopefully I'll be able to get one of those in soon to try out. Next, Fred, the same guy who did the Intellivision RGB mod, posted something pretty awesome up on Facebook. He has a way to turn any CRT, at least almost any CRT, into a vector monitor. Um, I know there's probably a small group of people that would be as excited as I am about that, but um, it's just, I think that's absolutely awesome, because there are certain games that were designed for vector graphics, like Star Wars Arcade, And while you can play them on a regular CD, it's not at all the same experience. Um, You know, it's not the best game on the planet, meaning Star Wars Arcade, but I just, I remember the first time I played it was only a year or two ago um, in an actual real Star Wars Arcade machine. I just was blown away at how cool it looked with the vector graphics, especially because it's color vector graphics. I mean, I have the Vectrix sitting back there, but that's black and white with overlays, so... um, yeah, it was uh, very cool to see that. The only downsides are, the big one is you actually have to re- rewind the vertical windings on the yoke. So this is not for the faint of heart, and it is about 350 bucks for the kit. So um, I would totally wimp out and buy one uh, pre-made. Uh, I, I just don't, I think that's pushing it for me, because I've never really done too much direct CRT work, and I wouldn't want to waste a $350 kit and break it, but... Uh, maybe I could talk to Fred and, and have him build me a nice big old 25-inch vector monitor for you know playing the, the 10 awesome vector games on it. I just saw Artemio tweeted a video about why CRTs make noise, and I thought it was pretty cool because the guy did a great job explaining it way better than I could. So um, if you're curious, it's a short video and well done, so definitely take a listen. The Castlevania TV show was finally released on Netflix. It's four episodes, a half hour each, and I was only able to have time to watch the first one, but it seemed pretty cool. Um, At the very least, it's not bad, so if you're a Castlevania fan, definitely give it a shot. Uh, Also, it's kind of funny because the opening scene, you know, the woman gets killed because she was trying to teach science and everybody called her a witch, kind of reminded me of what everybody did to Renee this week. Someone recently posted instructions on how to attach a Game Boy cartridge slot to a Raspberry Pi, which I imagine would be pretty handy for people who wanted to make their own portables or cartridge dumpers. So I figured I would just leave the link in the description. But if you wanted pre-built ones, they're already available from a bunch of different places. I owned the one from uh, BitBuilt. I just had Noah on a few weeks ago. And I, I mean, I think there's a handful of others out there. So if you're just looking for a cartridge dumper, maybe buy one pre-assembled. But if you're looking for a fun project, uh, everything should be up there. Last week, I posted a picture on social media uh, with the hashtag NoCutMod, and I was wondering if anybody wanted to participate in that just for fun. So basically, um, I, I've kind of been getting upset with some of the consoles I've had over the years that I did a mod to cut a hole in, and now that mod is irrelevant. Such as if you do composite video, audio, and S-video for an Atari 2600, right now you could just do the RGB kit and have everything through one connector. So I felt like uh, I felt like I wanted to start 
at least promoting how you could mod these consoles and you don't need to cut them. Um, I actually asked Voltar to do a 2600 RGB install and have a pigtail hanging out the back, which is the RGB and audio connector. And of course, it's got proper strain relief and everything, but I thought that was great because it's 100% reversible. And, you know, I guess I'm starting to become somewhat of a preservationist for these things. And anytime you could do a mod that's 100% reversible, uh, you know, no harm done, I guess. So that includes any of the, the SNES RGB mods, um, N64, heck, even the, the Genesis RGB bypass. Um, the way I do them, you could easily put them back the way they were. You just got to be really careful about some of the pins. But um, my, my trick, my favorite trick, is usually just removing the RF adapter and then using that hole to either mount a screw-on connector, so you might scuff the plastic a little bit, but not bad, or just have a pigtail hanging out that's properly set. You know, you don't want it connected directly to the video outputs, but um, if you guys have any pictures like that, please just uh, post them and put hashtag nocutmod, uh, because I just think it would be fun to promote something like this. Um, you know, obviously, you all, uh, it, what you do with your own console is your business. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, love to make sh to have a very uniform and perfect factory look of aftermarket stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I totally think that looks great as well. Um, but this is what I'm choosing to do. So if you agree, then uh, jump on board and post one. And obviously, it's only mods where uh, you would have had to have cut the console normally, but you found a way not to. So not a SNES mini mod because there's no cutting, but you know, Atari 2600. Um, I'm just finishing up a CDI where I use the RF hole to mount the RGB jack. I'll post a picture of that soon. So anything like that, just because uh, if you are on the same page with this, um, help me promote it. And if not, Enjoy your console however you want to do it. It's your console. But hashtag NoCutMod uh, and post them everywhere if you got them. Last week I posted a review of the Neo Geo Pocket ROM cart. And I just wanted to give a quick summary of it because I really liked it. Basically, it's a ROM cart that has flash memory and reads off of an SD card. So uh, you boot to the card, you load which games you want off of the SD into flash, and you load those. Um, and the games stay in Flash even if you power off the console. So getting them from the SD to Flash takes a long time, but once they're in Flash, they load instantly. And you could, I think I had five or six games on there. Um, there's a total Flash memory size, and depending on the size of the games is obviously how many you could put in. Uh, and I, I'm just really happy with it. I thought for about 100 bucks, it was a great deal. Um, and I could totally get used to swapping around like that. And also, if you delete a game from Flash, you don't have to format Flash. So if you load five games and you want to load a different, you could just erase one of them and load the other. I did miss how the save game function worked in the review, so um, there's information on the website, on Atari Age actually, which I'll leave a link in the description, which covers that for anybody who's interested. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you guys actually saw the review though, because this was the same day that both Renee and Zach posted their videos and stole all my thunder. So another big screw you to Renee and Zach, and also to Steve from HG Retrovision, because it's usually your fault anyway. And speaking of HD Retrovision, I have some awesome stuff for this month's Patreon giveaway. A set of HD Retrovision cables. 
Uh, so these were some of the B-stock ones that were repaired. They are repaired and working perfect. Uh, and those guys were nice enough to donate them, which I can't thank them enough. Uh, these freaking things are awesome. I love mine, uh, and now I get to share them with my Patreons. So uh, thanks to Nick and Steve so much for donating these. And uh, so let's get into figuring out who's won them. Um, also, I'm going to try to to do the Patreon giveaway right after the first of the month. I guess whatever the first podcast of the month after, uh, or whatever the first podcast of the month is. Um, I A bunch of people were talking to me about it, and I realized I should have done that from the beginning. So uh, it's a little early, and then even next month, I guess it'll be a little earlier. But from now on, pretty much expect first week of the month. Um, and for these, uh, I listened to you guys and found... Um, name generator tools. There was one that was awesome, but it only had a limit of 50 names, which would kind of suck because I have more than 50 Patreons. But uh, I found another one that was kind of sort of as good, so let's try it out and see if we can get it to work. Okay, so I have randomnamepicker.net, the the spin wheel. I entered everybody's name, and it should come out uh, right below the spin wheel when it's done. So let's try this thing and see who's won. Benjamin Schorner. Schorner? Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I always screw these up. Well, congratulations, Ben. You are the proud owner of HD Retrovision cables. Uh, if for whatever reason you don't want them, let me know, and I will just run the wheel again and give them to the next person. And if I don't hear from you by tonight or tomorrow, I'll just email you directly. So there we go. Uh, you guys, please let me know what you think. Uh, did you like it this way with the wheel? Uh, I kind of liked the fancier wheel better, but like I said, it didn't allow for all the names in it. So uh, any suggestions, please let me know, and I'll continue to do whatever you guys want in the future. And uh, congrats to Ben. And once again, thank you so much to the Patreons, because uh, it's it's really awesome that I get to still do this. So really owe you guys, and I hope... Uh, I hope more people will donate so that I can get you guys even cooler stuff next time. Okay, now on to the Q&As. Uh, Cardboard Toilet asked, Do you know if there are any good component switches with lots of inputs? I'm hoping to find one with at least eight. I know I could daisy chain, but I'm afraid that would degrade the quality. Um, daisy chaining might. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be noticeable to the human eye. It might be if you were doing comparison shots. But as far as um, a big component switch, a lot of the Xtron cross points are compatible with component video. You just have to look up the specs. And then you would just use those very cheap RCA to BNC adapters. Um, and you can get those up to like 32 inputs or something. So that would definitely be the easiest way if you needed a ton of inputs. Um, just like I said, make sure that you check the, uh, the switch and see that that model supports component video. Well, that's it for this week. There was actually only one Q&A because all of the other questions I got or were emailed to me had to do with the other things that we discussed earlier, so I think they were pretty much all covered. Um, but as always, I mean, I read all your comments and uh, I either um, respond to them right there or save uh, save the interesting ones for this. So um, 
you know, please keep them coming. Uh, I appreciate it as always. Obviously, any comments or feedback, I'd love to hear. Uh, I have. A, I wonder if it's going to get heated in the comments this week because of all the things I spoke about. But uh, I still want to hear your opinion either way, even if I don't agree with you. Um, I always really just love to hear how people feel about these things, and especially if there's any way I could improve. But uh, should be back next week with uh, a new interview. Um, I kind of dropped the ball on this one because I was busy with family stuff, but uh, hopefully I could do that for next week. Um, and as always, you know, any comments or criticism, post down below. And I'll see you guys next week. 